0: Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier,
1: louder Seahawks change The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. talk I am Brian demhauser and you can find me on Twitter at hawkblogger um it was a unfortunate end to this one uh, as the seahawks came up just short uh final score of i believe 39-32 unless anything changed in the last few seconds while i walked over here um so yeah you know th- there's a fair amount to go through it's never fun to lose a football game. Um, Yeah, final score was 39-32, just to be sure. But uh, man, there were some parts of this game that we need to discuss together. Um, Things that I felt like were good signs that probably are gonna get lost in the shuffle, and some things that were frustrating that will potentially get lost in the shuffle. And at least one thing that I know is frustrating that will not get lost in the shuffle uh, for all of us here. So while you're here, take a second. Pound some of your frustration into the computer by clicking the like button, <laughs> clicking subscribe, get notified when we go live um, for these shows and go over to patreon.com slash join the community. Uh, The sock community there is amazing, and I'm sure there'll be lots of conversations going on there about not only the Seahawks, but also the Mariners, who had a pretty amazing game yesterday. So here's some of my thoughts. Uh, You know, I expected, I predicted the Seahawks would lose this game. I obviously wasn't the only one. They were five and a half point underdogs. But I was completely wrong about how this game would play out. I had this feeling that the Seahawks defense would actually step forward and manage to hold the Saints down on offense and that the Seahawks offense would come back to earth a little bit about against a very good Saints defense. People don't realize it. The Saints are one and three. And so everyone looks at the Saints and they're like, ah, this is just an awful team. The truth of the matter is, I mean, the Saints came in here, um, As a top 10 defense, at least top 11, if you look by DVOA, um, this was top 10 in terms of yards per play, top seven in terms of third down rates against, number three in the NFL in red zone, uh, number nine in pass yards against, uh, number five in completion percentage against, number 11 in passer rating against. So this has been a pretty stingy defense and I expected the Seahawks offense to potentially struggle a little bit more, uh, especially after coming up. Um, and <laughs> thank you, Joseph Creo, for your like and your subscribe. I appreciate it. Angry likes and angry subscribes are welcome. We're all here to commiserate today. But this after playing the Falcons defense and then the Lions defense, I thought coming up against a Cam Jordan, Marcus Lattimore or, or Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Tyron Matthew. Demario Davis, like a legitimately good defense on the road in a loud stadium would potentially be a tough road for the, the Seahawks offense. And that didn't prove to be true. That was not true. And in fact, I would say I was closer to being right about the Seahawks defense than I was about the offense. But even there, they eventually were culpable in this result. I was defending them on Twitter, and I'm sure pissing people off by doing so. Uh, But in the end, you know, you just can't have one player in the NFL beat you. You can't have that happen. And you especially can't have it be the smug, punchable face of Taysom
2: Hill. This is a guy that just reeks of smug, energy and
1: i just wanted them to hit him and i just wanted for for if nothing else to understand that when he's in the game he's going to run the ball there was a number of times where the seahawks looked a little surprised that he ran the ball and i wasn't sure if that was because they expected him to run it up the middle and he ran it to the outside maybe that was a surprise i wasn't sure if it was a surprise because they weren't identifying who was back there at quarterback that should never be the issue, but maybe they thought Andy Dalton and they're like, oh, wait, hold on. Whatever it was, they looked unprepared and, and I could almost defend being unprepared to, to defend Taysom Hill. Almost in the first half, almost because he hasn't been used to this extent so far this season, even though he's been used in the
2: past. But the second half. The second half, in that ultimately game-clinching play, inexcusable.
1: Inexcusable to allow that one player to beat you in this game. And that's what happened. That's what happened. Take away. We'll talk about all the other reasons the Seahawks lost. Ultimately, if the defense had done one thing better, defended one player better, they would have won. I think they did relatively okay against, uh, everyone else. Alvin Kamara obviously had a huge game, but man, that's the one that really stands out to me. Um, so that's the, that's the first thing. Second thing is, and you're not gonna want to hear this cause you're in bad moods, just like I'm in a bad mood,
2: but the rookies played well today. And that matters. It matters. So,
1: you know, we had Tariq Woolen with his third interception in three weeks and fourth turnover caused in four weeks. It's huge, 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 huge for where this team needs to go. Kobe Bryant caused another fumble that turned into a touchdown. And for my money, for my money, Kobe Bryant broke up a catch in the end zone. I don't know how that becomes a catch. It boggles my mind. It's what they said was a catch. It was a touchdown. I thought that was a great breakup by Bryant to pull that out as he hit the ground. Um, I, yeah, so I'll get to the refs in a second, but I thought Kobe Bryant did well there. I thought the two tackles, yes, Geno S- Smith was sacked three times. I think you could argue at least two of those and maybe all three were on Geno, And I think Geno might argue that that last sack, like Matt Millen praising cam Jordan for the big times on third down and two Geno's like retreating. And that's a six, seven second sack. That wasn't, I mean, that wasn't great play by the defense. That was Geno trying to create something and, you know, turned out to be a sack, but I don't put that on the offensive line. And there was another play. There's a couple other plays I think were similar. So I think Gino had time to get rid of the ball and chose to hold on to it. And you can kind of understand. I'm not mad at Gino for that in most cases because he's been able to move around and create space and create big plays by doing that and trust the line to hold even longer didn't work three times that to me is not catastrophic in this game. So I thought Abe Lucas and Charles cross did pretty well. There was a pretty brutal hold call on Charles cross that cost the team a touchdown to DK Metcalf at first. I thought it was a bogus call as they showed the replay. His hand was definitely outside the frame and inside the pads of his defensive opponent and was holding him. That's an easy call it was the right call. I was I was annoyed, but it was the right call. In any event, I thought against Davenport and Cam Jordan, who are really quality ends, I thought both tackles played a reasonably good game. Some will disagree. Their grades might not be great. I thought they played This was not a game where the Seahawks couldn't get an offensive snap off. They couldn't get a drop back because there was pressure from the edges every play. That's what would be a bad game for the rookies. That's not what happened today. That's not what happened today. We saw the offense actually operate pretty damn well. Anytime the offense operates well and you don't have your quarterback running for his life or throwing off his back foot every time, I counted one throw off of Gino's back foot this entire game. And even then, I think he could have thrown, stepped into the pass. So I think the tackles, check. I think they played another for our rookies. What we're expecting, at least my expectations, they have not had a game yet where they were the reason why the team lost. That's huge. That's huge. Then, I think we got to call out Ken Walker. This is a guy who... I think people think I'm against him. I'm not against Ken Walker, but I've said so far, I haven't seen it. I called out last week that maybe his, his most impressive run last week against the Lions was a third and short where he fought off a defender and got like a yard. But it was still impressive because at least he broke a tackle. Um, today, He finally showed big playability. This was amazing. 69-yard run. Nice. Really nice. Huge play. Well-blocked. He was never touched, so it's not like, hey, this was, you know, some nifty move, but he did read the play right. He hit the hole hard. He ran through the opening, and he left everyone behind. Chris Carson, great running back. Loved Chris Carson. That exact same play, Chris Carson likely is caught from behind. So, you know, I think that that shows something that Ken Walker can bring. And I think that's great. I thought he actually looked like he gained more confidence after that. The next time he came out, I thought that he ran harder, ran more decisively. Good. Good. So there is no part of me that's cheering against Ken Walker or thinks Ken Walker is bad. My point up until today was, show it to me. Show me why he was a second-round pick. Show me why he can be a starting back. Show me why he can be a difference maker. Show me something that's special about him. There's been nothing special about Ken Walker in the NFL up until today. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Add him to the list. So now we talked about Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, Abe Lucas, Charles Cross, Ken Walker. I had Boye Mafé to that list. I thought Mafe, when I saw him today, played a good game. I don't think he was dominant, but I thought he played a good game. So you're talking about a lot of rookies having an impact on this game and playing well. Not, that's good news. And that was, as much as we're pissed about the outcome, for me, that was one of the things I was watching for and I'm looking for. Because ultimately, this is not going to be your Super Bowl winning Seahawks team. No, No one wants to hear that right now, but that's the truth. So it's about development and it's about, are we building a core? And there were some guys that, that did, that contributed to that. Now, the other thing I got to talk about, even before the refs is special teams. Special teams lost this game as much or more than any other unit today. I don't know. It was fourth and four or something. I can't remember how long it was. I think it was about fourth and four. When there was initially some sort of false start or something uh, against the Seahawks for before they punted, and on that play, it looked to me the way the Seahawks started to move that it was a fake punt. It looked like it was a run to the right. Then they get a five-yard penalty, fourth and nine, and in fact, it was. Now what we don't know was whether that was a sanctioned play, and if it was. Awful. We don't know if it was Michael Dixon reading something, seeing something,
2: and then being wrong. If so, awful. You no longer have that ability. You have lost that privilege.
1: You cannot, the only way you can ever make that choice, let's say it was Michael Dixon's choice, and let's say that the coaches had given him the ability, and you can blame the coaches for that. That's fine. But the decision there is, if you have a 100% confidence that you were going to get the first down, go for it. That was not a 100% confidence play clearly. He didn't make it back to the line of scrimmage. So that was awful and a
2: huge, huge moment in this game. A huge moment in this game. I mean, if you go back and you look at it, Let's double check, just make sure. So the Seahawks and the Saints were tied 10 10 at that point. And
1: up in like the last possession for the Saints was a six yard possession, a three and out. They had done reasonably well holding up against the Saints up until then. After that play, they gave the ball. The special teams gave the ball to the Saints on the 13-yard line. You think this defense is ready to hold a team without scoring or out of the end zone from 13 yards? Not likely. So huge play, gave the Saints the lead, put the Seahawks in catch-up mode from there.
2: And then we had multiple multiple penalties on punts where Michael Dixon
1: had pinned the saints at the 10 yard line, two penalties that moved him out. I think those were big. You had Jason Myers missing an extra point.
2: Didn't prove to be game deciding, but I thought special teams was awful, 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 awful in this game. So then let's talk about the refs. I I will never blame a game on the refs.
1: That's just my general rule. Refs are going to do what refs are going to do. If the Seahawks were dominantly better than
2: the Saints, they would have won even with the calls that happened. But I will tell you this. I don't think that
1: they did the Seahawks any favors today. I think that... You had a Seahawks team that is young and trying to develop and was fighting, fighting for this win. And I thought the refs knocked their feet out from under them multiple times. I think that that DK fumble call was terrible. Either it's not a catch or he's down. That elbow was down. That should have never been called a fumble live. That's what ended up ultimately being the reason it wasn't overturned. They didn't say it was confirmed. They said it stood. So they felt like there wasn't enough video evidence to overturn it. From my perspective,
2: there was. That was a massive play in this game. Massive play.
1: Seahawks are ahead. 19-17. to After we'll talk about some of the great stuff that happened. 19-17, they had the first possession of the second half. Completed catch to DK, first play, eight yards, looking good.
2: And they take the ball away from them. And then the defense plays pretty darn well. It was third and nine. Like they had held in this case.
1: Again, a sudden change of of possession. And this defense isn't good. You're not going to hear me say this defense is good. I don't believe this defense is good. But when you have a bad defense, like a bottom five defense at this point, bottom three defense probably, and you give the opponent the ball at the 31-yard line, they're usually going to score a touchdown. Like they need the whole field to defend because they're probably going to make some mistakes along the way. Guess what? They held him. They held him. It was third and nine at the 16-yard line, and then from my perspective,
2: they held him. They held him there too. Kobe Bryant got his arm in there. Ball came out as as the guy hit the ground. volave
1: That's an incompletion. Now they overturned it. That means that there are irrefutable evidence. So most likely, I'm missing something in the rules. Okay, I think it's <laughs> from a fan perspective that was incredibly
2: frustrating. That, I, I don't think that should be a touchdown. There wasn't, there wasn't just those calls. There were missed pass interference calls. There were really ticky
1: tacky pass interference, or holding calls on the Seahawks' defense?
2: I, I, I thought it was pretty frustrating. I thought it was really frustrating. I thought the refs,
1: if they had different refs, I think the Seahawks potentially could have won this game. But I don't think, I don't think you can sit here and blame. I don't think you can blame the refs uh, for
2: the outcome, at least um I definitely blame them for for calls that they made. Now I'm frustrated about
1: how things played out because I think the Seahawks did enough in this game to potentially win it. And it would have been a better win than anyone would have, would have would have given them credit for. I think the Saints are better than the 1 and 3 record. But Didn't do it. I do think that some of the injuries had a role to play here. we got to talk about the injuries a little bit. I haven't heard the Pete Carroll update yet. We'll find out. But Rashad Penny injury looked and sounds bad. Anytime a guy's carted off, that's not a good sign. You have to hope that something good comes out of it. Better news, not season ending. I mean, I really enjoy watching Penny play. More than anything else, like I feel for the guy, but I just enjoy watching him play. He's a fun guy to watch play. He had a 32-yard run again. This guy is the best explosive runner in football outside of maybe Saquon Barkley right now. And I mean that if you look, if you look at the numbers over the last year. Like he's, he's outpacing guys. When you look at 30-plus yard plays,
2: it's not close. He had another one today that would be big that would be big then Al Woods out huge I don't know exactly
1: when Al Woods went out but he was a big part of what was working for the Seahawks defense in this matchup I think the chances that him going out had some impact on the defense starting to fade in the second half Seems pretty real to me, and so you have to hope he's not out for long because they have nobody else. There's nobody else in the, on the roster, at least. I, don't talk to me about Brian Monet. <laughs> like, don't talk to me about that guy. He's all right. He is not the answer. So you have to hope on Al Woods. There are a few other injuries. I think Penny Hart went out. Not the biggest deal. I hope he's okay, but not the biggest deal. Now, I'm going to give you probably the craziest take you're going to hear. And you're, you're going to hate me for it. And you're going to be shocked it's coming out of my mouth. But I'm here to be honest. I'm not going to ever hold back what I see. I thought that this was the best game that Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks played this year. Now, That doesn't mean it was a great game because I think they've been probably the worst linebacker duo in the NFL up until now, but I'll tell you why for the first time, for the first time all year I saw two linebackers moving toward the ball and finishing tackles toward the opposing end zone as opposed to dragging guys down or being dragged down as they've already got 6, 10, 15, 90 yards, whatever the case may be. I saw both guys, especially Brooks, but both guys, as hard as I've been on Cody Barton, I have to be honest when I see positive things, I saw him make some sticks in this game. So does that mean that all of a sudden I'm a, I think Cody Barton should, get more leash and that he's like the answer, no, I have not changed my opinion on him whatsoever. They need to upgrade that position. I would upgrade it right now. But for this one game, I thought they both took a a meaningful step forward. And I thought Brooks was a difference maker at times. I thought he got to the quarterback a couple of times. I thought that he had some decent coverage a few times. So we'll see. We'll see how they end up getting graded out by others, but I thought this was their best game. Not a good game. Don't misquote me. And no, I'm not saying that they should be celebrated as great players, but I thought this was their best game of the year. It was improvement. So take that for what it's worth. I thought Ryan Neal was a clear improvement over Josh Jones. I thought he had a couple nice plays, which is a couple more than what Josh Jones has had. I don't think Ryan Neal is. The answer and the future starter, I don't believe that. I think he has a really low ceiling, but he's a gamer. He gives you everything. He gets in there. He makes plays. He did that again today.
2: Uh, Continue to be flummoxed by Daryl Taylor. Like
1: he had to shoved back in the lineup after... After was it the, the uh, Ken Johnson? I can't remember his name even, but was injured. And Taylor was a nothing today.
2: Again. Nothing. Did nothing. So we did see Artie Burns get into this game. I'll be curious to see
1: how he grades out. Mike Jackson, I thought, got abused a little bit early. He wasn't the reason the team lost, but I think Olave was like getting yards of separation from from Mike Jackson. Tariq Woolen looks like that dude. Coming back to that guy, I mean, he just broke on that ball again for the pick. There was no plays where he was like completely outmatched. He almost had a DK Metcalf style rundown of Taysom Hill. He went for the fumble instead of trying to tackle him. Otherwise he would have. But happy he's on our team. Happy that dude's on our team. So I complained a lot and I'll probably complain some more because that's just what happens when you lose. But I got to, I got to like talk about, I mean, this wasn't a 39 to three loss. The Seahawks were ahead in this game and I think should have won. They were ahead in this game in the fourth quarter. Why? Primarily because of some turnovers they were able to generate. Kudos to to Kobe Bryant and and Tariq Woolen on that. Two weeks in a row that both corners have created turnovers in in a game, which
2: is pretty sweet. And then Geno Smith. I mean, this guy again. You want his numbers?
1: 16 to 25 is like pedestrian by Geno standards, and some of that was drops. Will Disley dropped a ball, his first incompletion in 14 targets this year. DK Metcalf had a couple of drops, including one for a touchdown. So he was 16 to 25, not awesome there, but he threw for 268 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He had 10.7 yards per attempt. That's insane. And his passer rating was 139.7. You win a lot of games with those numbers at quarterback. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, 10.7 yards per attempt. That's, that's big time. And he had big plays, multiple. The, the throw at the end of the half to Tyler Lockett was only bettered by the throw to Tyler Lockett in the third quarter. Unreal. The, the, the accuracy. Those were deep, deep targets. Both of them for touchdowns, precision, dropped him in a bucket. DK Metcalf ends up with five catches and eight targets for 88 yards. One big touchdown. That was a 50-yard play. I don't think they got as much out of DK as as they should have or could have. And then Noah Fant checked in. Early on, he actually had his first big play as a Seahawk in the regular season. He caught a 32-yard pass. So you had a lot of explosive plays. I thought. I thought Gino made some amazing throws on the run. Once again, stepped up into the pocket where quarterbacks in the past that have worn the starters Jersey here have turned tail run, broke the pocket, all those kinds of things. He stepped up, allowed the pocket to develop around him and just made play after play. So I think he, <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't think this was his best game. I think he's he's looked even better at times. I thought it was a great, amazing game. Not not dissing it really in meaning to at all, but he's got better in him even than today. And this was against a really good defense. People aren't going to want to admit it, but it was against a good defense. So Gino, like once again, did his job. He's not the problem. It is comical that there were people begging for Drew
2: Locke to start this year, including potentially John Schneider, by the way. Geno Smith not only clearly
1: is better than Drew Locke will ever be in his entire career, but remains one of the top five quarterbacks in football this year. We'll see what it ends up, but I, I will bet you he is right there in every meaningful measurement of quarterback play coming out of this week so you have a top five quarterback and you're two and three
2: what does that mean it means the rest of the team around you is is not playing well looks like we are getting some word about
1: Excuse me, I'm looking it up just to verify. We're getting some word about um, injury here. And I wanna make sure I get this from a source and not just from chat. So let me double check. Yes, um, Pete Carroll said, Rashad Penny is hurt bad. Ian Rappaport is reporting that he has a fractured tibia and they will determine the associated damage to see if surgery is necessary as of now it's likely that he will need surgery damn it damn it that is just brutal 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 um carol says that alwood's knee flared up on him so they believe they were just resting gabe jackson didn't hear anything about him having an injury
2: um And, oof, yeah, I'm just
1: checking this out to see if there's any more news here. Um, uh. So Pete Carroll said it was not a fake punt that when Michael Dixon got tackled, he was supposed to roll out and then kick it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, wow, that is a set of really frustrating news um from the seahawks coach so i will take a few questions if you've got them i walk away from this game primarily feeling like this team is better than i thought it would be and this team's gonna win more games than most people thought it would win
2: but they're super flawed and they, they are not going to be able to withstand
1: absolutely bone-crushing mistakes like the Dixon
2: turnover, like the called fumble on DK Metcalf. They're not good enough for that.
1: So I think that they are better than a lot of teams in the NFC especially. I think they can rise up and beat good teams even if they play flawless football but they're not good enough to overcome. Like there were times of 2013 seahawks they were so much better than everybody else. They could make mistake after mistake after mistake and still win because they were just that much better than you. That isn't this team. The talent gap is not there, especially on defense, especially on defense. And I don't see that changing this year. That defense needs three to five more quality starters to be legitimate. That's how bad I think they are. All right, um, getting some questions rolling in. Let me take a few here. Um, Jason Tudor, tutor, I should say, asked, does the surgery mean that Penny is out for the season? Uh, probably, but don't know for sure, um, especially if there's any ligament damage. If it's just a break, I think almost for sure he's out either way. Like Quandre Diggs had a break at the end of last year don't know if it's the same area but there were no no ligament damage and you know he was able to come back obviously in the off season but i would guess you're talking about a i don't know i'm not going to guess but i would i would assume he's out for the year it's probably the safe assumption um question here from consumer uh thoughts on digs and how he's disappeared you know it's tough at free safety Um, Diggs was never around the line of scrimmage kind of guy. He's a secondary player, and I think that he hasn't been great, but I think when you've got the front seven playing as absolutely atrociously as they have, the chances that a guy as small as Diggs is gonna come up and make a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage not great. And there has not been a lot of throws over the middle of the field. What Diggs is generally responsible is for taking away slants. And he's done that. Like, I don't think that we've seen a lot of like deep slants, and I don't think we've seen a lot of balls going over the top. So I think that's primarily what Diggs is responsible for, and I think he's probably done his job adequately. Uh, So I know there's a lot of people down on him. Maybe I'm missing things, but I'm not sure that he's a primary or secondary or tertiary part of why the defense is playing as bad as it is. Another question about Quandre's missing, I already talked about that. Lane Smith asked, do we
2: think Pete can be trusted with the rebuild? I mean, my hesitation there is who can we
1: trust? I want to know who's coming in, who are the options to come in and take over? And maybe they're better. I, 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 I was supportive of them moving on from Russell, Pete and John last year. I was supportive of that by the end of the season, changed my tune a little bit was okay. I wasn't like against them
2: getting rid of all of them, but I was okay if they decided to keep Pete and John at this point it's week five. They're two and three. I would argue they're playing
1: probably below their talent level on defense, but not by a lot because I just don't think this defense is talented. I don't, th- I don't think it is. I think, I think especially with the front line, the defensive line, I think the defensive line is the worst defensive line in the whole NFL. And I think it's worst by
2: a long shot. I think the front seven is the worst front seven in the NFL. It could be by a long shot.
1: So if they had the best possible coaching, best possible scheme, I think this is like a defense that ranks in the low 20s, like 20, 21, 22. I don't see them as even a middle of the pack defense with, with the best possible coaching. And then on offense, does anyone have problems with the offense? I mean, the offense is friggin' amazing. And despite the fact that Pete is a defensive minded head coach, he's responsible for all of it. And this was my, actually, for what it's worth, this was my frustration all along. I wasn't a Pete defender because I was huge into Pete. I was frustrated with the fact that there were people out there, analytics people especially, that were criticizing Pete for the offense because they thought he was holding back Russell Wilson. When I thought the defense looked like shit. The the offense was a top 10 offense in most seasons. If you're a coach and you have a top 10 offense, it's not like you don't get credit for it just because you are known as a defensive minded coach. You're responsible for all of it. You're responsible for this. John Harbaugh was a special teams coach. You don't think he's responsible for how the defense and the offense and the special teams are playing. You're responsible for all of it. So if something's going well, you actually get credit for that. And if something's going bad, You get blamed for it. So I would argue the offense is significantly better than anyone would have expected. And I would say that they are outperforming their talent given that you've got rookie tackles and you've got really two receivers. There's no third receiver on this team. I think you got three decent tight ends. I don't think you have any game-breaking tight ends. I don't think you have a Kelsey
2: or a Kittle or anyone like that, but they're, they're okay. And I think, you know, I think they, and I think
1: they're the interior of the line has been pretty, so I think they're outperforming their talent level on offense. Special teams has been up
2: until today, probably okay. So it's hard for me to look at this and say like, yeah, this is,
1: this is a terrible head coaching job. I think that you could criticize them as much as you want on defense. I think that's totally valid. If this defense does not improve, if it's this bad all year, I'm already seeing them improve, though, so that's part of why I'm, I'm discounting that. I see improvement. I know no one wants to hear it. I see improvement. Well, How do I see improvement? I think we're going to find out that there were almost no missed tackles in this game. Um. Even with the explosive plays that the Seahawks gave up, Saints only averaged 5.9
2: yards a play. Pretty sure that's going to be a season low for Seattle opponent. So, I don't know. I don't trust him, no, is the is the simple answer.
1: But I don't see enough evidence yet to say his plan's totally botched. There's no way it's going to work. Especially when you give him two more first round picks and two more high second round picks. We'll see. Uh, Eric Valdez asks, Brian, would you be okay with the Seahawks using both their first round picks on defense? It's a hard question for me because I don't know the depth of the college ranks as well as some others. So from the standpoint of like, is this a st- a quarterback class that will not be repeated for another two to three years. If that's true, then I think it'd be really hard to defend not picking a young quarterback. But I think that there is a legitimate. I think there is a legitimate argument to be made that this team would be significantly better with two top ten defensive picks than if they added a young quarterback. I don't think that's that controversial, to be honest. But here's the thing. Let's say you use one of those picks on a top quarterback, and let's say he doesn't play right away. Let's say you take the Patrick Mahomes route or the Aaron Rodgers route or whoever else you want to pick. And let's say Gino continues to play really well. You sign him to some deal, and he's playing this well, right? He's playing franchise-level well. Quarterbacks are valuable. Young quarterbacks are incredibly valuable. Pro Bowl quarterbacks are valuable. Gino is easily playing at a Pro Bowl level, easily. Then what you have is that one pick, that one quarterback pick that you made. Before he gets on the field, no one really knows what he is. He's going to be worth multiple first-round picks, even if he never plays for you. So... And if not that Gino would be worth potentially, I doubt you're going to get two first round picks for Gino, but he's definitely gonna be worth a first and potentially worth more than that. If he's playing to this level. So I think just from a roster management perspective, I'm still pretty convinced you got to take a quarterback. It's just, you get the most value for that pick, even if the, the player ends up not being your answer, but I'd be lying if I was, if I said that I was not intrigued by the idea of getting two top flight defenders on the defensive line specifically on this team, that would be another way of putting it is let's say in the best, best case scenario, let's say you get a pro bowl level edge rusher, pick one that you like. I mean, top 10 you're talking about Von Miller types, right? And you get a Pro Bowl level interior player like DeForest Buckner. Those are top 10 players. That's the type of players you get up there. Cortez Kennedy, <laughs> like Sean Springs. Like you get you can get some damn good defensive players in the top 10. I think this this whole defense Changes dramatically in that situation. And that would be a lot of fun to watch. So it'd be a good problem to have. Let's just hope the Broncos keep losing. And I don't know. I don't know if the Seahawks, where the Seahawks are going to end up. We'll see. It, it is, I didn't know what was going to happen today. I happened to be right on, on the outcome, but I wasn't right on how the game played out. And I wasn't right on what the limits of this team were on offense. So I don't think we know what this team can be quite yet. All right, I will take one more question. Uh, Mike Dunham asked about the two tackles and how I thought they played today. I said earlier, I thought they actually played fine. I think they played two really great defensive ends, and I think they held up pretty well. Yes, there were three sacks. Yes, Abe Lucas gave up his first sack. They were not instant pressure kind of situations. Gino chose to hold the ball, which is Gino's right, but I put those as much on the quarterback as I did on...
2: On uh, the tackles. All right.
1: Yeah, people are asking about Sean Payton.
2: Why Sean Payton?
1: I, I I love Sean Payton. I love. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think he's a great coach. But everyone's talking about the defense sucking, and Pete's a defensive coach. So let's bring in an offensive coach to fix the defense. Have you? Maybe. He's a good option if you're going to have to get rid of Pete, but I don't know that he's exactly the answer for what's ailing the Seahawks. In fact, that could be a step backwards because Shane Waldron is doing pretty damn well. And I don't think Sean Payton runs the same offense that Shane Waldron does. So Sean Payton would bring in his own offensive coordinator. Maybe he'd be the offensive play caller like he has been in other situations. You don't know if that's going to actually happen. How do you get better on offense than this team has been so far? I'm not sure that you really do. Uh, Seahawks averaged 8 yards, 8.1 yards per play today. Whoa. You're not going to do much better than that. So, all right, folks. With that, I'm going to take back the rest of my Sunday afternoon. I know we're all frustrated. I know we hoped for more. I'd ask you, if you can, please go ahead and click the like button. Uh, Appreciate you doing that. Click subscribe if you haven't already, the bell to get notified. And then go over to Hawkblogger, excuse me, go to hawkblogger.com, read articles, but go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, sign up, become a patron, join the Slack channel immediately, and you'll get to ask questions that we will answer each week, Wednesday night on Real Hawk Talk. Would also really appreciate some positive reviews on, you know, anywhere where you're reading the podcast or reading. People reading podcasts nowadays, I'm sure somewhere they are, but if you're listening to the podcast, appreciate a good review. Five-star reviews are super helpful. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully my sound is better. I I upgraded the mic. I think I got it to where it's sounding better, but hope for all of your sakes it is as well. Can't do anything about my voice. It is what it is. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye. Uh, Have a great rest of your afternoon. Go Mariners. Go Mariners. Amazing, amazing, amazing time and let's see what the seahawks do next week i'm really looking forward to seeing more of this team i think it's a fun team to watch even when they're frustrating and we've got a rookie class that's looking like one for the ages so that's all good stuff hold on to